I need to have a conversation with you. You're being tapped. Do you have any current projects that you will have problems setting aside? I have current projects, but most of them can be set aside without too much difficulty. Probably about another 35, 45 minutes on one that's critical. This isn't something where you're going to have to drop everything this instant, but within the next day or so, you're going to have to act on this. Just to get it out in the open, I'm not particularly happy about this assignment. This is coming from above me. So I'm here. I'll be able to help you out. But I don't know that I'm entirely in the know in what's going on here. How much have you heard about recent unusual deviant activity in the region? Just there was an increase in that there's been some suspicious movement is the way that it's been described to me. Yeah. So in the last month, it appears that a number of deviants have fallen off the map. Largely, they appear to be telepathic, holographic phenomenon entities, although the statistical models are showing that we may well be seeing disappearances among other populations as well. Personally, I'm thrilled about that, but we don't know why it's happening. Have you heard anything that lines up with that? I don't have any clear answers, no. I have heard and seen a few, I guess you would say, um, holographic removals or disappearances. I don't really like that word, but certainly things that are not where they are supposed to be. Yeah, that's what we're tracking as well. And what we know that no one on the ground has figured out yet is that these individuals seem to be reverting to a human state and leaving their current environment. It's not that the actual people are disappearing, it's just the deviant infestation in them is being removed, suppressed, we don't really know. The problem is the local populations, especially the holographic populations, are getting restless and it looks like they're going to act soon. I recommend that we go in and we deal with the problem directly and mitigate the impact of their activation. I was overruled. Instead, you are being asked to integrate with the local holographic population, specifically the apparently xenomorphic population. They are moving rapidly. We first noticed coordination between them around this topic about a week ago, but it's progressing very quickly. And the higher-ups noticed on your file that you have certain natural adaptations which enhance your procedures when you are working with that population. It's one way of putting it, certainly. We're being asked to make certain that they are not disrupted. Personally, if something is taking them out, while I would certainly like to know what it is, it seems all the better. But the progenitor projections on this are that this is going to disrupt natural population controls and entities far more dangerous than the ones that are being removed might end up becoming unrestrained as a result. So we're bolstering this community in an effort of restraining even more difficult entities. That's the idea. I know you've worked with agarwal theories. I know that you've 
engaged in distant population management. I'm all for using all the tools on the table, but I'm not comfortable with you going in and engaging directly. I'm sending you information on the particular group that's been identified as the most likely target for you to directly integrate with. You are supposed to assist them. You are supposed to reveal yourself to them. Although, if necessary, we will come in and we will deal with any memories or inconvenient knowledge that they gain. I would rather not open this door, but it appears to be the most likely to result in minimal casualties. It shouldn't be too difficult to approach them naively and semi-openly as a person that knows something about what they are and their existence and offering to help them without identifying whom I represent in a larger perspective. I agree with that approach. Look, I've seen the statistical analysis on all this. I know where this leads. Ultimately, I agreed to this even though it wasn't my preference because the collateral damage does look like it could be significant. But I don't trust this approach. You know that. And you're one of the best agents I have in the area despite our differences. Be careful. This is a lot more than sending an occasional email or nudging a friend of a deviant to get them to move in a particular direction. This is exposing ourselves to them. And it could go very wrong. If it does, I don't care what the higher-ups say. You are to abort. Yes, sir. I understand. And honestly, I think the sensible thing to do is to go in open-handedly so that they don't realize that I'm holding things in my back pocket still. And I think we can do that carefully. And we can do so in a way that pushes them off-center slightly and makes them ask certain questions but not the questions they should be asking. That sounds like a reasonable approach. And any other information you can gain on them would be appreciated. We've only ever documented their movements and their biological profiles from a distance. If we're going to take this risk, we may as well make the payoff worth it. I would certainly like to be able to minimize further abductions and whatever genetic modification we've seen them doing in the past. So full personality write-ups, analyses, that sort of thing? Absolutely. But keep it discreet. Don't do anything that might compromise the mission. Controlling whatever is happening here, whatever the primary risk to citizens are, is our first priority. But if we're going to get this close, we might as well make use of the opportunity. Absolutely understood. Careful is my watchword, and deep-level integration and analysis will occur. Good. I'm glad to hear it. Take care of yourself and be in touch. If you need backup, if you need assistance, I'll be at the ready. I don't feel good about this, but I don't think we have a choice. Acknowledged, sir.
Welcome to Walking Away from Arcadia. We are doing something a little bit different today. We are going to start a brief actual play chronicle. This chronicle is going to be a game of Changeling Countless Dreams, which is a text that Simon wrote and I worked on editing and some layout review as well. And it poses the question, if changelings are stories, then what happened to all of the science fiction stories? What happened to the dreams that were born when Sputnik flew through the sky and when we first landed on the moon? Not all of the older stories that came rushing back on the wave of that wonder, but the actual stories born of that action. And so we're going to explore that a little bit and give people a taste of what that play is like. I am Victor Kinzer. I'm going to be storytelling this crazy jaunt. I am joined by quite a few different people, and I'm going to let each of them introduce themselves and tell you a little bit about their character, what they look like, what makes them tick. We will start with my co-host, Simon. Hello, I am Simon, and today I will be playing, which never happens, today I will be playing <laughs> Mark Aloui, which is a terrible pun because all of my characters' names are terrible puns who is a grumpy old bear. Hi, I'm Angel. I will be playing Esty Hubble. So she's kind of a hipster, wannabe, goth wannabe sort of thing going. And she uh, works as a professor at the University of Washington. I'm Erica, and I will be playing Koichi Canaveral, also known as Casey. They are a sophomore at University of Washington that's in the biology department studying wildlife conservation. Hello, I'm Natali. I am playing neodymium, which is a fun way of saying fancy component for a computer. And he acts very much like that. He's a graduate student in the applied science and engineering Department of U of W, and that's the short and quick of it. Hi, I'm Josh Heath, and I am going to be playing Conrad Brand, a former military person who is a PhD candidate, student, and part-time instructor at the University of Washington. All right, so that is our crew, and I would just like to say thank you to everyone for joining and being willing to do this crazy thing. And of course, I want to shout out for Josh's podcast, Werewolf the Podcast. We are incredibly grateful that he was willing to come on the show and participate, and we will learn more about all of these characters as we move through the situation as it unfolds. So the setting of our game is the University of Washington campus, specifically centered on the engineering school. But as we will see, our characters have a number of different connections across campus. Anxiety has filled the UW campus for the last month since the first disappearance was reported. Everyone thought it was just an unfortunate incident, but then the second person disappeared. When the third person vanished from the faculty of the bioengineering department, rumors started flying. Why isn't the news national? Why do all their social media posts seem to fall off the bottom of the page before anyone takes notice? What is going on? 
the entire campus is buzzing, trying to find out what the connection is between the people who've disappeared. The local countless don't have to wonder. They know. Everyone who's vanished is joined, and the last person to disappear was a countless admiral. They're being targeted, and something needs to be done. The scene will open, and our crew is gathered together in their UFO. The rumors are flying that they're going to be tapped soon. Any number of different crews are going to be tapped to deal with this situation, to try and find out what's going on. You all have friends who are anxious and afraid, and that anxiety has certainly infected some of you as well. You're trying to figure out what to do about it, what even makes sense. A couple of you know people who have disappeared. Esty, you have a connection with one of the people who has disappeared. The second individual to up and vanish was a knocker who you know and have worked with personally. You are incredibly shaken by this and were concerned from the beginning, but now that more and more people are disappearing and a countless has disappeared, it's pushed you to really want to do something about this. The scene will open and you are concerned. So what do you all think you would be talking about or pushing for in this moment? First, I'd be looking for a pattern to the disappearances other than just you're part of the supernatural realm. Looking for where they were, what organizations they're involved in, anything that links these people other than we're all countless or changelings. So two of the individuals worked for the university. The first one to disappear was Jonathan Craborn. He was a postdoc researcher and he was working on a program to do wave generators. They were going to deploy swarms of small electricity generators and it was a, a project on campus in its third year. It's well-funded and they were just getting ready to actually deploy some of the prototypes they've been working on. He was incredibly excited and he was one of the first people to disappear. You had probably already been asking around about that and no one could really figure out what's going on, but his disappearance has severely impacted the project. While he wasn't technically the PI, he was a postdoc researcher. The, the principal investigator on this one is one of those faculty members with 75 projects and 1% of his time devoted to all of them. And he still teaches like one class. It, it's He's on it in name only. Really, it was Jonathan's project. And he's been gone for nearly a month and no one can tell where he went. The other two people that disappeared were not connected to that project. They weren't connected to that lab. So the next person to disappear was Sir Gwendolyn Pennyworth. And they were a Skaha knight of the local court. They were not popular among the countless. There had been quite a bit of tension between the local changelings and the local countless. And that's been a longstanding thing. The changelings largely consider the countless to be often fairly banal. You get your knockers and your occasional inventive changelings who don't feel that way. But a lot of traditional changelings find the countless to be abominations. You get accused of being daunting and worse on a regular basis. Sir Pennyworth was a knight of the court. 
and had broken up a number of altercations. The local lord is having a very difficult time sort of keeping the peace, and Gwendolyn was one of the only sort of members of his guard that could break things up when they got heated while at the same time de-escalating. But still, the Countless were not fond of her because she defends her own. She was the the next person to disappear. It really flamed a lot of the accusations from the local community that the Countless were actually behind this. And that was starting to get very heated. And then Professor Jean Novotny disappeared. And that only happened a few days ago. She was faculty in bioengineering. She is a kite. And she was the first Countless to become part of this. It's happened in all different places. No one knows where Jonathan disappeared, but Gwendolyn was last seen out in the community, nowhere near campus. The local freehold is centered on the hill, and that's where Gwendolyn was seen. And then Professor Novotny was on campus. She was seen on campus doing work, and then she didn't come back from dinner. She was going to come back to her lab and continue to do work, and her grad student said she just never returned. So there doesn't seem to be a strong connection, although in both of the cases where a location is known, it seemed to be in public. They were going somewhere in public and then just never came back. Hmm. All right. Going somewhere in public and never came back. What was Jean working on? You said that she had some grad students and had was a mm-hmm. professor in bioengineering. Officially, she was working on mapping human genetics and building retroviruses that were specifically designed to treat various syndromes and conditions. In reality, and you as a member of the Countless would know this, she is doing research on ways to improve joining. She has done a lot of work with the campus's local admiral, who is the dean of the aeronautics department. Despite the fact that his public-facing work is based in aeronautics, he is a chirurgeon, and he works on facilitating the joining of countless with humans. Dr. Novotny had been pursuing research on how the local changelings, the native changelings to the singularity, are able to do this without the intervention of technology. And her research was just about to expand to a new phase. You don't know all the details of it, but you know there are several countless who were very excited and said that her findings were very promising. Well, if they disappeared in public, wouldn't there be witnesses? One would think. How do we determine where they went? Well, everyone has a cell phone, don't they? That's a good point. If we can remotely trigger a where's my phone function, or perhaps see if we can hack their geodata for periods of time, we could determine perhaps their location up to a certain point, if not where they are now, or at least where their phone is. All right. Are you capable of doing that? I could certainly make an attempt. So 
lesser silicates who are perhaps not quite as skilled at navigating digital subspace as you are have attempted to do exactly that. And they have been blocked in their attempts. This has primarily been done with Jonathan. No one has been able to isolate his phone. But that said, you know that none of them are as skilled as you are. So it might still be worth the attempt. I know others have tried, but they are perhaps not as capable in this particular arena. But this will only get us so far. It will only tell us the location of their phones. If their abductors are intelligent at all, they won't have their phones anymore. Well, of course not. (laughs) But we could get a starting point. So as you're discussing this option, there is a knock on the door of your UFO. And your UFO is disguised as a, a small observatory built by students, developed by students on the top of the Charlie Bosart machine shop. So it's not unusual that someone would be interested in that building, but you do have very active cloaking, which maintains that disguise, but also discourages anyone from noticing. So your entire crew is here. It is unusual that anyone is knocking at the door. Is there a way to, like, is there a people or some such way to see who might be on the other side? Or a camera? Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, you certainly have a fully equipped vessel. And as a fully equipped vessel with the solid maneuverability, and it is it is not isolated here while it looks like an observatory, you can travel elsewhere with it. Uh, it does have the ability to scan within a, a fairly decent range around the ship. Invisible and other spectrums. What's our AI's name? That's a very good question. What would you like your AI's name to be? Mm. Well, I'm a Luddite. So I'd probably call it computer. (laughs) And I am not a Luddite, but my character is about as inventive as a brick in inventive names, so would likely just name it Intelligence. I, I do like the idea of it being Intelligence, a name that it perhaps does not necessarily appreciate, So its name is Intelligence, largely named by Neodymium. Are you going to ask it to scan or give you information about what's going on outside? So at the sound of a knock, Casey visibly flinches and immediately calls to Intelligence, whom they convivially call Telly. (laughs) (laughs) Intelligence groans when you say that name. It doesn't even wait for your command. So, yeah. Uh, Telly, uh, please? Yes. Do you need something? Uh, could you could you scan? There's there's someone at the door. 
Oh, yes, indeed. And uh, a screen appears, uh, manifests holographically in the middle of the room, and it shows uh, an individual standing in front of the main entrance to your UFO. That individual is Conrad. Uh, I will allow you to describe yourself in detail. So Conrad's about um, six feet tall. He's a very lanky man who keeps his receding hair short and prefers cargo pants and shirts with cargo-like pockets on the front of them. He is a very vigorous individual. He seems to always be active. His hands are constantly in motion. Even while doing that, it seems to be that he's uh, trying to create patterns with his fingers when he is moving them. He is standing there making square patterns with his different fingers in sequence at the door. So intelligence displays this, and you see this individual moving his fingers in, in very odd ways. I don't know who this is, but he has very unusual energy readings. He appears to be both saturated in Zed and unusually high anthropic radiation as well. I've never seen that before. The anthropic radiation appears to be building right now. And I don't entirely know what effect that will have or what it is building to. I haven't observed this before. Would you like me to take any action? Um, I, I, I don't know this person. Do you you know this person? Does anyone know this person? Casey looks everyone way. square on the face. <laughs> I think it's a Jehovah's Witness. <laughs> so, Neodymium, you actually are familiar, not intimately, but you have walked past Conrad in the hall a few times. You might even know his name, but you've never worked with him directly, and most of the time, when interacting with him, you aren't acutely impacted by any anthropic hostility. So you're not entirely certain what is happening now, but it is definitely concerning. I have witnessed this individual. I believe their name is Commodore, something with a C. It does not occur to me because it is not relevant. But... What they're doing is concerning. I will attempt social interaction. So I'm going to step out uh, of, of the scene for just a second and uh, ask Conrad, what exactly are you doing with your wiggling fingers? So at the moment, just trying to get myself under control emotionally to make sure that I'm presenting myself uh, in the most like comfortable way. So it's a bit of a mind uh, okay. focusing thing. Um, this is to... going to go swimmingly. Okay. Can you do me a favor and roll first level mind for that control procedure? Mm -hmm. So that is 110. So one success. You will successfully be able to keep your emotions about this situation in check you will have a reduced difficulty on any willpower rolls based on control for the duration of the scene. 
while Neodymium is answering the door, Mark is very quickly trying to hide anything unusual. That will be very difficult for you to do. But on the upside, you do not see any holographic form attached to this individual. Commodore, you think his name is. And so you don't think that he will be able to observe any of the holographic forms inside your UFO. It will look like an observatory with a relatively impressive but ultimately commercial telescope that's set up. You basically have this covered as something of a student project that was put together so that other people could make use of it. Although shockingly, no one has any stories of having been there. It's always on their to-do list. Neodymium, you are approaching the door and you are planning on opening it. As you reach the door and enter the command for it to open, you feel this sort of uncomfortable wave of anthropic hostility as you approach the door, and then it suddenly disappears. It's just gone. You're not quite sure what that's all about. And as you are about to open the door, you hear this tiny clicking sound, which you know is evidence of intelligence coming to some conclusions. Do you want to proceed immediately with your social endeavor or see what that's all about? So that's a complicated answer because my character has a boatload of computer interfaces. So, por que no los dos? So due to the fact that you are a silicate and a digital native, you can also sort of pull up that data live as you are opening the door and engaging. It will split your attention and make your social interactions a little bit more difficult, but you don't really endeavor to put a lot of effort and nuance into your social interactions, so I don't imagine that would be a problem for you. I would like to put forth to everyone in this group that I described this individual as having the charisma of a goat. (laughs) It is the social intelligence of a rock. (laughs) So the data that you see stream across your HUD is that there was a rise of anthropic hostility coming from Commodore. And then it suddenly all turned inward and vanished inside of him. If it had been aimed externally, it could have done a great deal of damage, but it appears to have been entirely subsumed within him. Noted. Neodymium will open the door and immediately begin by stating, your presence is interfering with an extremely delicate, delicate procedure. Please state your purpose for being here. Oh, I apologize. I wouldn't, uh, I didn't intend to interrupt anything. I um, was hoping to talk to you and your friends. Uh, I'm here on some issues that I believe uh, could be important to all of us. And I'd really like to help you. So everyone heard that, even though Neodymium is the one at the door engaging directly. I'm frantically hiding plants. I'm basically standing there with my arms crossed and glaring at the door. 
Casey kind of uh, peeks out from behind near Daimian, obviously a little fearful, but trying to muster the courage to talk and says, could you give us more details? We're working on quite a few projects. Yes. Define help. It might be better if I come in because there's a door and there are potentially other people that we wouldn't want to hear outside the door. If we could, if I could come in where the door would be between us and them, it would be better. Mark is very disappointed that the bees didn't keep him out. I'm going to pause here for just a second. Neodymium, can you describe yourself in both your human form and in your silicate form? Okay, so his human form, Alan, is what you would refer to as pretty picturesque white boy. He has a very angular face, so if he weren't so god-awful at dealing with people or social situations, he would be one of those pretty popular people. Except he can't, and he won't. He's got auburn hair, and he's about 5'11", and he's got sort of olive skin from just genetics. He does not spend enough time outside for that to be a tan. He doesn't have glasses or anything like that. The Dynium, on the other hand, is a perfectly translucent sort of crystalline thing with mechanical bits covering pretty much anywhere he can fit them for purposes that he views as obvious. Like, you have to have a computer interface wherever you can. It's just functional. So, Conrad, you see this individual in front of you, and you hear the delicate hum of computer mechanisms. They seem to be coming from him. You are used to sort of hearing the general hum of computers. You're aware of them processing. It comes from your knowledge of uh, forces and machinery. And so you have a, a vague sense, especially when enlightened machinery is working nearby. Also, because of your attunement to holographic life forms, you are often aware of them in imprecise ways. This is so close to your own knowledge that it is unsettlingly loud and present in your perception. Hmm. Neodymium would immediately springboard off of Casey's statement and go, you may proceed three feet within the door and close it behind you. Would that be satisfactory to your paranoia? Comfortable for me. I I don't know if comfortable for you because three feet won't actually be enough to close the door. So I'd be stuck in the door. I'd need to move another 2.3 inches. Do you require more physical space than your physical form? So Neodymium, as he is saying this, your readout immediately sort of shifts and adjusts. Intelligence is already tired of this conversation. And he's showing you that the measurement that Commodore just shared with you is actually the exact amount of space necessary to close the door. 
you may step four and a half feet within the door. Okay, thank you. <laughs> and he does so and closes Your the thanks door. thanks was unnecessary. No, but socially appropriate. When you enter into this room, you see initially what looks very much like a small student-built observatory, a little bit cluttered, but not so much that it's not usable. It perfectly matches the story that is told about this building. But you catch little things out of the corner of your eye. You can see that certain machinery is larger than it appears to be. And you can almost imagine that if you could go over there and touch that machinery, you would know where the buttons actually were, where the controls really needed to be moved to make things happen. The entire experience is fairly unsettling for you. It brings up memories you have of things that you do your best not to think about anymore, but because of how much you have centered before walking into here, you're able to push through that with relative ease, but you are aware of it. Now, if everyone else could describe themselves, both their human form and their holographic form, Mark is a late middle-aged white man with an unruly beard and unfortunately unruly wavy hair. He looks pretty uninteresting apart from being large in most dimensions. His holographic appearance is large enough to have trouble with the door here and more blubbery and hairy. Conrad, you see Mark and you're aware that he's, you know, a pretty imposing figure, but you find yourself aware that he's so much larger and more imposing than he really is. You get this general just like aroma off of him that you can't quite put your finger on, and you're just aware of a presence there that you aren't able to quite define. Esty is about Simon's actual height. She's got short, dark hair that's pulled back into a really tiny ponytail. She wears mirrored sunglasses. Right now she's standing with her arms crossed and looking pissed. And she's kind of dressed in a band t-shirt and gray, like, hiking pants and black boots. You can tell that she's a little bit sparkly somehow, but you're not quite sure how that is. Other than that, she looks pretty normal. (laughs) And those sparkles definitely catch your eye, Conrad, especially in her eyes. When you look directly at them, they look like normal eyes, but as you glance away, you could swear you see the streaks of the Milky Way running through her eyes, and it, it catches you off guard. Casey, in their human seeming, is about 5'2"-ish, thick, black, curly hair that's perpetually messy and pulled back. And their style could be described, I would say, eco-grunge. So lots of really dirty, torn-up flannel shirts that should probably be thrown out but are never going to see a trash can, you know, worn hiking shoes also an affinity for cargo pants and they have a perpetual smell that's similar to a dissection lab 
which is pungent citrus that is failing to mask the smell of decay. And then their holographic form is an honest-to-God man bat. They figured out how to get a flight suit over their digigrade legs and modified to get a hole in the tail, but they just kind of tie the arms around their waist because they can't figure out the wing situation. Their left wing is obviously maimed and is fairly useless, but it does have a chimerical, mechanical, da Vinci-like apparatus over it that is regained, given it back its function. Conrad, can you do me a favor and make an intelligence plus... We're going to go with cosmology roll. So as long as sixes and hires are successes, I have three successes. As you are looking at this group... And at Casey specifically, you hear this kind of high-pitched squeaking sound when you're looking at them. It feels very anxious. It feels very sort of intense. And you look at the injury, and for whatever reason, your mind immediately goes to this story that you heard that made its circuit around your convention about a deviant that latched on to one of the void ships several years ago. News about it actually snuck out. There had to be a lot of media control work done on it. And you sort of wave it away initially, like you're centered. You're not going to get distracted by things. But it's very strange that your mind latched on to that detail. And you sort of running through all of the the things that you remember about how it was able to survive so far out into subspace and all the things that had to be hidden from the public about that incident. So you are now in this room with these individuals who all seem, I think it's fair to say, any of you can disagree with me, a bit anxious about your presence, more so than you would expect. So, um, sorry that I'm bothering all of you, but I wanted to talk to you about, to be frank and direct, the disappearances that have been happening around campus. I think that I could help you and you could help me and we can go our separate ways afterward if we don't enjoy each other's company, but I would like to offer my assistance in tracking down the folks that are part of your community. And from there, Hopefully you can assist me in just kind of uncovering the entire situation, getting it done, and then I can file some paperwork, and then we never need to talk about it again. So many questions. How the fucking hell do you know anything? (laughs) I make it my business to know things that are within my wheelhouse. When you ask that question about how do you fucking know anything... Intelligence chimed in and said, This individual's handwriting is off the charts. He's not holographic, but I haven't seen this much said in a non-holographic entity ever. You want to be concerned. Now, Conrad, you hear a voice. It's talking about you. But... Your mind really wants to ignore it. Mm. You suddenly realize that the working you did to keep yourself grounded, to keep yourself centered, that procedure is filtering out information that might be useful. 
Mark is going to turn around and use one of the holographic interfaces for intelligence and tell intelligence to note this person for possible joining later. So, (laughs) how are you engaging with that interface, given that, you know, Commodore is now standing here in front of you? And I'm going to, just for for reference, you're going to be Commodore until you correct, until you actually introduce yourself. (laughs) Oh, no, no, no. I have a list. (laughs) Names are irrelevant. Excellent. Yeah, how are you doing that turning so that my back is hopefully blocking out what i am doing with my hand <laughs> intelligence says so you want to help us and our people but you are just here to do paperwork what benefit does this have for you well i don't want people to be going missing either that's horrible People, particularly if they're getting hurt, I don't want people to get hurt. You know they're getting hurt? No, no, I have no evidence that they are getting hurt. But they're just People go missing all the time. Why do you think we care about that? Well, if they're affiliated with your particular group of people, I would imagine... Our group of people? The university? Can I be... I don't know how comfortable you are being outed, but... Uh, aliens? I am certainly not an alien. (laughs) (laughs) Are you defining alien as outsider to the situation? In this scenario, you're the alien. You are correct, but not in the way that you think. You don't know what I think. Are you right? No, I wouldn't say that. We've been here much longer than you. Here at the university? You're probably right. I have, I've only been here for about six months or so. Yes. Yes. So no, you have only been here for the past five minutes. You're both correct. Thank you. So, Conrad, I have a question for you. Uh, mm. Do you have any devices? Do you have any portable computer equipment on you currently? Just my cell phone, any equipment like that, any devices would be a very bad decision to bring in this sort of environment. That is a fair question. I'm going to say the first thing that Neodymium does is evaluate if he can connect to any of those devices to figure out who the fuck this guy is. Because he's he's spoken a lot of really nice platitudes and a whole bunch of stuff that like falls beneath his social radar. But, like, mm-hmm. if you really want to get to know someone, you hack their cell phone and um, read their Facebook profile if they have one. And if they don't have one, they're weird. How do you want to approach that? Do you want to look up their social media while you're engaging with them? Do you want to directly hack the cell phone? The first thing that would come up is, and the, I guess this question would be best aimed at Josh. You say that you wouldn't bring that many into this situation what, if any, networked devices would your character have in this exact moment? The only thing would be the cell phone. He doesn't have a smartwatch or anything like that. Okay. That makes this extremely straightforward. He's not going to attempt to engage with his social media. He's going to attempt to engage directly with the cell phone. When I say engage directly, I mean he's going to 
go in through any networking capability that it has, whether it's active or not, and rip mm -hmm. any and all data that he can directly into his own brain. So because Conrad indicated that this is not a device, you're not going to have to face any sort of supernatural opposition, but it is basically the most secure non-supernatural computer that you can make. So your difficulty to gain access to it is going to be nine. Okay. Uh, this would be a rolling of bones of intelligence and computer, I'm guessing. Given that you're trying to do this on the spot, and normally hacking would take longer, I'm going to make it wits plus computer. I got two tens. Well, that is most excellent. So you are able to get into his computer. Your interface is holographic. So, Conrad, you can see a faint flickering of light in front of the individual who opened the door. Whenever you try to look directly at it, it disappears. You know that that is an indicator of certain dimensional anomalies that are worth looking into. Mm. So Neodymium, you were able to get in. It was considerably harder than it should have been. And it took a little bit longer than you would expect. Uh, it's a very secure cell phone. It has connections to the sort of apps that you would expect a cell phone to have. Conrad, I will let you describe what you imagine being on your character's cell phone. That is a great question that I hadn't thought a lot about prior to this, but I would imagine there are the kind of basic sort of messaging apps and things like that. What he doesn't have are social media accounts. So there is no Twitter. There is no Facebook. There is nothing like that. He does have text messages to his mother and his father. They are the most common people that he texts. Other than that, there's a smattering of games and particularly ones that deal with shooting space monsters. There are also a number of voicemails, texts that you cannot access, even though, you know, the overall security on this phone was pretty much beyond the pale and you would think okay i've gotten past that i should now have access to what's on this phone there are other communications on it that are further encrypted and you they don't make any sense to you at all so it that's going to take a little bit for you to do that and i do want to jump over to yeah. mark yeah. mark is going to move over now that he's done talking to intelligence and move over to Casey suggest weren't we taking some readings when he came in? Yeah. You don't? Yes. <laughs> so Casey will, sorry, we're talking about the readings that we asked intelligence to get, right? Mm -hmm. We're talking about our cover story. Yes. Getting information from the observatory. I'm sorry. I'm not picking up on what you want me to do. <laughs> I am unsure how I would communicate this because I am a grumpy old man. Um, <laughs> um, all right. Well, I know I could roll something. <laughs> <laughs> yes, let's roll things. This is a game. <laughs> yes. So 
Dice right. are the key to higher understanding. <laughs> Dice are the key it's to social right. interactions because we're nerds. <laughs> All right. So, Casey, if you want to roll investigation plus wits. Okay. Because the communication is a little bit stunted on both ends, I am going to make the difficulty eight. <laughs> You're so mean. That's okay. I got two. So I, I made it. I have two successes. All right, Mark, you can explain directly what you are asking Casey to do. Casey is so startled by the situation. They're like, what is happening? I am using my bulk to edge Casey over to the telescope and notebook that we should be using in this situation where we have lied and said we were being interrupted. It's something we were doing. Oh, Casey, like, is being edged, and suddenly they, like, understand what's happening, and they just beeline there and immediately make themselves busy at said telescope and notebook. Yes, and I make sure to have myself between Casey and the interloper. Then I'm going to go back to the conversation as it is progressing. Neodymium and Conrad, while you're doing this hacking... Which is going to take, you know, you're doing it quickly on the spot and trying to maintain conversation at the, la- at the same time, which you can do because of your direct machine interfaces. But it does distract you. What are you telling Conrad during that process? He's not good on a, on, at social on a good day. So the idea that he's hacking this guy's computer, he's probably, are you familiar with Lorem Ipsum? Yes. <laughs> The conversational equivalent of lorem ipsum. Uh, How about there's mariners, right? Isn't that he the literally local? starts referencing the local sports team as the Washington sports team. <laughs> okay. Conrad, can you do me a favor and yes. roll perception plus etiquette or perception plus subterfuge? Standard difficulty. Difficulty is six. Mm, okay. You're being kind. That difficulty is so high. Uh, One success. (laughs) One success is plenty. Uh, They are, they don't know what to do with you. They don't know what to do with you. They're trying to do things on side. They desperately want to get rid of you. And it's very, very obvious. Uh, You also suspect that you need to be on the lookout for what those other things are are i think i may have come at this the wrong way and i want to let all of you know that i respect you and respect your space and respect your cultural needs and i'm going to leave but i want you all to know that i would love to help and if you're willing to come talk to me I'm more than happy to come and help you all. But I don't want to we be We are talking mistake. now. As, as you're doing this, intelligence is going to now very quietly talk to all of you. The sound is almost whispering directly into your ear. And it just says, Can you ask him what the first word on his mind is? And as he does this... I, I do have one question. Okay. What does my Bioware dialogue tree say? Do you want what it says, or do you want how you are likely to interpret it? So that's the fun thing about Bioware dialogue tree. You pick, I would like to 
soft serve a question to him and it turns into an aggressive interrogation whereby you called someone a bitch. All right. So based on the request that is coming from intelligence, the Bioware dialogue tree says, can you do me a favor? I'd really like to work with you if possible. I just need to check something. What's the first word that comes to mind? That's the dialogue that is suggested to you. This social interaction has gone poorly. Please define your purpose for being here so that it can continue in a conducive manner to your purpose. For everyone, uh, for the other three countless in the room, he did not in any way ask what the intelligence asked you to pass on to Conrad. (laughs) Would anyone like to jump in and convey the actual question? (laughs) You're used to this from Neodymium. Shut up, Neodymium. What's the first (laughs) word on your mind? So while Neodymium is staring aghast, the intelligence suddenly flashes this burst of light, holographic light, in front of the interloper in the shape of a galaxy. And it is spinning, it is stunning, it is beautiful. Conrad... They've just asked this question, and there is a a burning word in your mind, but you have centered yourself so that you can push this extra stimulus aside because it is often so distracting for you. But they've asked this question, what is the first thing on your mind? You have this sort of at the edge of your perception stimulus. How will you react to that? I, at this point, would want to catch whatever that thing is, whatever that thought is. And if that requires decentering myself, what I'm hoping is momentarily to grab it, then I would do so. You can make a willpower roll difficulty seven. If you succeed on this willpower roll, you can momentarily drop the effect. If you fail, the effect will drop and you'd have to reestablish it. One success. That's enough. You drop this and you suddenly are overwhelmed with visions of stars. And they are perfect star maps that you see in front of your eyes. And your mind will immediately begin working to say, I've seen these star maps before. These are these are the star maps that I helped build in my early internships. Of course, that's why they're so perfect. I'm just remembering them. But part of you knows that's not really the truth. So they've asked, what is the first thing on your mind? How will you respond? The beauty of the stars. So at this point, intelligence will say to all of you, and because you only got one success, you will actually hear this distinctly. Intelligence says, He is the holographic reality. You really shouldn't let him leave even if you're not willing to cooperate with him and really running the numbers here, you're better off cooperating with him than trying to kill him or just sending him on his way. And he has that annoyed, why can't these people calculate these things? Tone in his voice, he gets that a lot. (laughs) Kelly, lock the doors. (laughs) It has been noted that you can see things that you should not. It is suggested that we cooperate with you. Conrad, you heard that Uh, ka-chunk behind you, and that was definitely not holographic. Conrad 
pulls, he's kind of had his hands to his side. He pulls his hands up and crosses his arms. Very uncomfortable, visibly. Like I said, I'm, I'm here to help. So I'm glad you don't want to kill me. And I'm a little uncomfortable with the door being locked, but I'm here for you. So I'm an open book. What do you think you can do to help? Well, I can help you find evidence of why people have disappeared, probably help overcome whatever is taking them, and then potentially make sure that the disappearances stop if it is an entity or entities that are devouring or stealing or whatever word you might want to use for them going missing. I think you're misunderstanding my question. I think that's great. We would, we would love help. We would like to do something about this, but we're trying to find evidence. We're trying to stop it. We're trying to do what we can. What do you think you can do that we can't? I have a lot of expertise and equipment dedicated to observational things, particularly dimensional observations. So if there's anything that is multidimensional involved in this situation, I should be able to help you uncover that multidimensionality. Where is this equipment? Intelligence, Scott. Um, and that is a likely story. If he's so skilled, then let him find the breakthroughs into digital subspace here. As full of anthropic hostility as he was a few moments ago, I do not believe him for a moment. Intelligence? Yes. How did he get past your cloaking? (laughs) Would that be the artificial intelligence equivalent of a blush? You hear this, like, whirring, and everything spins down, and suddenly the computer is running on half, and intelligence is not present anymore. Thank God, I hate that thing. (laughs) Intelligence (laughs) left the chat? Intelligence... (laughs) Just rage quit this conversation. Okay. Neodymium being absolutely sure of his social capability. What is your vested interest in this? And why does someone who wields such concentrated anthropic distortions have any vested interest in our community? Conrad, You've read profiles of this crew. The profiles do not have full details of their xenoforms, as you're not able to get all of that information. Deciphering holographic reality precisely is is not a simple thing. One thing that will stand out to you, that terminology, anthropic, lines up directly with your paradigm. There was nothing in their file about any previous interaction with your convention at all. Interesting choice of terminology. No, it's not. Well, I find it interesting, at least. I understand if it's commonplace for you, but it's not something that I'm frequently hearing from people outside of my particular organization. So it sounds like perhaps we have some similarity in viewpoints. Define similarities. Define common terminology. My understanding of your holographic projections is that 
they are in direct opposition to anthropic forces. Am I correct in that assumption or at least construction of terminology to define an idea or a concept? You have a meets understanding of a relationship, but however incorrect. I'll accept that because I think that our view on these things is probably similar, but coming at it from different angles. And what is your view? That our reality is a place filled with wonder and danger, and that things from deep space come here and at times are dangerous to humanity and at other times are simply trying to exist as you do. And my hope is that we can continue to exist separately, but in helpful ways when needed and not be in conflict with one another. This is an acceptable form of relationship. So as you say that, the computer will begin to beep. You're all very confused about this beeping. You're not used to beeping from your computer. You're used to intelligence telling you when things are going on. You're pretty sure this is just intelligence's passive-aggressive way of meeting his obligations without rejoining the chat. He's giving us the silent treatment. I check the microwave. (laughs) So when you go and check the microwave, there is a message coming in from the local admiral. Oh my. Um, You can answer it or not. Well, in for a penny, in for a pound, I guess. Is there a, I will answer this in a second button I can push. Absolutely. Yeah, the popcorn button. Because <laughs> yes, no I one push pushes the, that. Yes, I push the popcorn button, and then I go to the mini fridge. And from the mini fridge, I take a collection of homebrewed meads, one of which does not have eocane powder in it, one of which is full of nanites that will uh, abduct a, a human. And I pass all of these around, giving the one that has nanites to Commodore 64. (laughs) They're never going to call you Conrad. It's never going to (laughs) happen. We haven't even asked his name. (laughs) I just feel like as a chronicle, we should see how long we can go. Just assuming his name. (laughs) He's Commodore. Duh. Yeah, I mean, we've got a call from Admiral, right? And um, I pop the cap off of mine. And I say, to peaceful coexistence and take a drink. So, Commodore Conrad, you have been offered 64. a drink. <laughs> Commodore Conrad 64. You have been offered a drink, clearly in the spirit of comradeship. What will you do with it? There would be no chance that I would not drink it. So, down it goes. All right, (laughs) down it goes. The effect that this is going to have is uh, it is going to immediately dissolve your procedure. I mean, Mm -hmm. your procedure is completely wiped away. You can tell immediately that this has a strong resonance with your particular form of genius. 
you have thoughts that you remember having as a small child. You are suddenly filled with this need to go out and create and to do. It's almost like a whispering in the back of your mind, but clearly that cannot possibly be what's actually happening here. You're just, your thoughts are running very quickly. You see everything in front of you. You see the xenoforms of all of these countless now very discreetly. They're all forms that you were somewhat aware of. It isn't the jarring experience that abduction is for a non-enlightened individual. It shifts slowly, and you just find yourself acknowledging the things that you had seen all the while. For the moment, you are able to interact with everything holographic concretely. If you could give me a wits plus awareness check... Difficulty seven. That is a botch. Oh, all right. This happens so gracefully that it doesn't strike you that anything has changed. You really aren't even aware that you were ignoring these things a moment ago. And so you're going to just accept all this and move forward. And we'll sort of discuss how you react to that when you come back to yourself later. Good nightmare fuel. Yeah, a little bit. I'm going to answer a call soon, so that'll be good nightmare fuel, too. The other thing about that, though, is uh, it is going to give you one more quintessence. Mm, Okay. You have passed the drinks around. Does everyone take a swig of this lovely brew? Of course. All right. You going to answer this call from the Admiral? Yes. It's been ringing for a good 30 seconds now. (laughs) Well, the popcorn timer's done. Yeah, you have to let the popcorn run for a little bit. A hologram projects into the middle of the room. It is an ephemeral hologram. It is a communication hologram. And everyone can see it completely. And it is of Admiral Shankwa Bakshi. She's a silicate. She is very tall. She has running circuitry all across her. She is an incredibly complicated, integrated silicate. And she says, I need you to come to my office. Things have gotten bad. I know that I haven't tapped your crew in a while, and I know that you prefer to focus on your own work, but I'm calling in all crews at the moment. Things are progressing, unfortunately, and I need some assistance. Who is that? And she points directly at Conrad. Casey would say, ha funny story. We're trying to figure that out ourselves. That is Commodore. I abducted him. I trust him implicitly. I lie through my teeth. <laughs> uh, We're friends me. now. So, Mark, could you give me a manipulation plus subterfuge roll? Excellent. I will do this thing. We're We're going to make this standard difficulty, so six... Okay, I got one success. The Admiral looks at you and says, you don't convey trust very well, but if you vouch for him and something goes wrong, I suppose that's your problem. If he's abducted, bring him with you. I don't, I I can't deal with any loose threads right now. I presume I will see you in my office shortly. Well, you, you see us right now and... He is not made of threat. 
shut up, Neodymium. Yes, I know he is not made of thread. I need to, I need all of you to be in my office. I need you to bring him. There are other individuals here, and I'm not mitigating this conversation via emitter. I, I don't have the energy. I don't have the bandwidth. I still have to run this damn department. So I will see you all soon. And I'm glad to see you all soon. This will, it will be a lovely click and the, the, the call is ended. You're all very used to her brusqueness. She doesn't have quite the acute silicate intensity of neodymium, but especially when she gets flustered, which understandably right now she is, she loses some of her social niceties. Don't we all, though? Indeed. Are you all going to take me to your leader? No, we are going to take you to our admiral. This is not the day the Earth stood still. Intelligence, please unlock the door. The uh, dork chunk unlocks. I would like to bring up a thread that was missed earlier in the session before you actually leave to get to the admiral's office. Neodymium, you were interested in doing some hacking to try to locate the phone of the knocker who initially disappeared. Are you interested in doing that now, or would you rather go and find out what the admiral has to say first? So that was a proposed course of action, and then, Mm -hmm. honestly, it would not have just been limited to the knocker. It would have been to all of them. Yeah. Okay. I mean, considering the change in circumstances, I would say, I would argue that he has been distracted enough that that would not be a pressing concern unless he could do that in the background. We could do that in the background. I'm assuming intelligence plus computers with my specialty in um, bullshittery, I mean, digital subspace. Yes. Okay. So what was the diff on the role I just made? It's going to be more of a standard hacking role. Your difficulty is going to be eight, but with the specialty. That would be four successes then. Four successes. Okay. So with four successes, you are able to locate the phone, but it is after a lot of cat and mouse. You immediately see why everyone else who attempted to take the same course of action failed. There were several false starts There were several sort of decoy icons designed to look like his phone, sort of scattered throughout subspace. When you eventually find his phone, he's not in Washington anymore. He is currently in the middle of nowhere, Montana, or at least his phone is in the middle of nowhere, Montana. You're not really sure what it's connected to. I mean, obviously, it's still connected to cell towers, but he doesn't seem to be in any sort of population center. I mean, he's in Montana, so, I mean. There are a couple cities in Montana. (laughs) Are they they really cities? (laughs) Oh, if you talk to someone from Missoula, they will tell you at length about how much of a city it is. What I will say you discover, the one other detail, because you are actually able to hack into the phone, he's still using the phone, but there hasn't been any contact with anyone in Washington. He does not appear to have any contact with any other holographic individuals at all. It's like he's suddenly living a different life. So just to clarify... 
how am I determining that information just as a piece of background information? Because mm -hmm. if he's interacting with them via text, the only information I would have to go off of is the area code. Yeah, so in terms of identifying that information, it's pretty easy given your hacking skills to get a lead on the other accounts. So some of it's text, some of it's Facebook Messenger, some of it's you know, tweets, but it's still pretty easy for you to trace that back to who is the actual person. None of those phones, computers, et cetera, have the kind of cloaking on them that his device had. So once you get into his device, tracking those lines back, I'm not even gonna make you roll for. You're able to do that as a matter of course, which is how you know where they're from. He's not contacting anyone in Washington anymore, and he's not talking about his research. He's suddenly talking about a family farm and helping his dad. And there are weird conversations about his regret at having left. And what little you know about this individual, which isn't a, a ton. He wasn't someone that you knew, but you knew about the project. It was pretty high profile in the engineering department. And you can't imagine this person running this microturbine project. Like that's just... That's incomprehensible to you. Dova Bear appreciates this new family focus. So now that you have that information, um, you have it handy, you are able to get previous contacts from his phone. You know some of the other people that he was working with. You just know he's not really communicating with any of them right now. So you, you have that pocketed away. And we are going to take this moment to wrap up our story. And then in our next episode, we will find out more about the Admiral and the specifics of the problem that she needs you to help with. I would like to thank everyone for playing this first session of Changeling Countless Dreams. And thank you to everyone who's listening. Hopefully you will join us again for our next episode.